Hello, everyone, and welcome back to SACS's Essay Today podcast. My name is Michelle Botcher, and I'm an associate professor at Clemson University. I'm also your host for this program. Today, we will be discussing transferable student affairs skills, and specifically how those skills relate to law school and legal practice. Welcome, Erin Edwards, as our guest today. Congratulations on passing the bar, completing your clerkship, and starting your legal career in Atlanta. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. It's great to talk with you. Um, so before we get into the stuff of this interview, if you could take a moment and introduce yourself, um, really just share a little bit about who you are outside of work. So what are your hobbies, things you're reading, watching, listening to? Who are you when you're not at the firm doing the firm stuff? Yeah, of course. So um, again, hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Erin Edwards. I am a 2015 grad of Clemson Student Affairs Program, and I graduated from Virginia Law School in 2021. So uh, in terms of what I do outside of work, I'm an animal lover. I have two dogs, uh, so I take a lot of walks with them. That's one of my favorite things to do. I also have a horse, so very into horseback riding, and uh, the horse has made the trip with me from Charlottesville to Memphis to my clerkship and now to Atlanta, so that's been really fun. And I actually just started um, Tom Felton. I'm a big Harry Potter fan. Um, I just started Tom Felton's book, Beyond the Wand. I started that uh yesterday it just came out I got like the pre-sale on it and the next book on my list is Billie Jean King's autobiography um I've been really into sports uh autobiographies because I just finished Pat Summit Summit Up um not too long ago too and in terms of watching my husband and I just did just started a subscription for HBO Max we were holding I don't know why we were holding out but we were so we just finished Chernobyl on there, the mini series, which was amazing. And we've been watching the flight attendant the past couple of days. Well, I, I also have watched both of those, although I'm not caught up on the flight attendant. So <laughs> if I have other recommendations, I'll send them your way. Thank you. Appreciate you that. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, like your journey into higher education and kind of How'd you get where you are today? What's that? You, you told us a little bit about your uh, academic career, um, but tell us a little bit more. How did you find student affairs and then make the transition to law school? Absolutely. So I went to a really small undergrad called the University of Virginia's College at Wise, which is a branch campus of UVA. And I'm from that part of Southwest Virginia. It's really rural, um, low income area of Southwest Virginia. It's where I grew up. And I just got really involved in student leadership, but I didn't have, I'm a first generation college student, didn't exactly have access to maybe the best like career advising and really was just going to college to go to college and didn't have a specific career in mind, but really enjoyed the leadership activities that I was involved in between housing and student government. And so just kind of then stumbled upon the, you know, came to the realization that these staff members I was working with did this kind of stuff full time and then maybe I could too. So that's what led me uh, to to go into student affairs. It, it just felt like the most natural thing to do coming out of undergrad. 
And um, so then I went to Clemson's program. I worked in housing as a hall director for three years after that. And then as I kind of, you know, was exploring what might be next for me, law school felt like the most natural thing after that too, which I know we're going to get into a little later. Perfect. And we always talk about student affairs being a small field. And can you highlight, it could be one person, it could be a few people, um, just so our listeners might go, oh, I know that person too, because we're all connected in some way. So who have been sort of some of the key people for you in your career? Yeah, so there's been there's been several, um, but just to highlight a few, uh, one of them is Tony Cawthon, and uh, I'm going to bring him up again a little later, but uh, Tony was just absolutely instrumental in guiding me through grad school and um, staying connected with me and guiding me through into law school as well. Um but also going back to undergrad, um, I worked very closely with a couple people, our Dean of Students, Dean Worley, Stephanie Shell, and Narda Porter were really instrumental to me. Uh, that Stephanie was, I, it's, I don't know, Stephanie Shell was one of those people in student affairs, especially at a small school. I don't even know what her title was. She did everything. Right. She did absolutely everything. But I worked really closely with her in the leadership society that I was in. And Narda was actually the registrar, but she I was in a trio student support services and she was my like trio advisor. And so I got really close with her. And then uh, when I was working in student affairs, my supervisor, when I was at Virginia Commonwealth University, Fletcher Ferguson, was absolutely amazing gave me like believed in me so intensely, like believed in my abilities and had so much confidence in me that it made me have confidence in myself mm. and like really trusted me and like gave me support and guidance. But like I said, just the, the faith and confidence he had in me instilled faith and confidence in myself in a really unique way. And then my administrative assistant that I had at VCU her name was her name is Kristen. I'm still very close with her. She was absolutely amazing, kept the ship afloat and really like I knew how important administrative staff were, but just her, my relationship with her was so special and really taught me the value of like your support team around you and like accomplishing the the goal. And so I just took away from that relationship and still hold very dearly how important it is to appreciate especially the administrative staff and the people who are actually keeping the, the ship afloat um, so that you can accomplish what you need to accomplish down the line. Yeah, I think it's, I, I really value that point. It's easier to get a new dean or vice president than it is to lose the administrative staff who really, they hold the history, they hold the, how you navigate systems and it just can't be overstated how important they are. So I saw a really funny meme that was like behind every Fortune 500 company where the CEO is named John, there's an old lady sitting at a desk who's actually running the company, <laughs> like <laughs> an admin that. person. Um, I, I think they said her, like, there's an admin named Karen who is actually right. running the entire business. <laughs> and I was like, that is so true. <laughs> it is true. It is true. 
Well, thanks for that. I, I really appreciate it. And you gave us sort of the timeline. So what was it that made you decide law school is going to be a next step for me? And then how did you sort of plan the timing of that transition? Yeah, so I was um, two and a, almost two and a half years into, I guess, maybe a year and a half. A year and a half into my three-year stint as a hall director, I was at two different schools, and I went to CEHO, um, the Southeastern Association of Housing Officers Conference, and Tony Cawthon, who is a professor at Clem in Clemson's grad program, um, who I had, you know, gotten really close to during my time at Clemson, he was the faculty in residence. And for those, for anyone who may be unfamiliar, CEHO, I don't know if they still do it, I hope they do, because it was a great thing, but they would have a faculty in residence at each conference. And um, Tony's role in particular, he did a program on advanced degree options in higher ed. Um, and he had office hours where you could come and talk to him about like the future of your career. And I'm sure you didn't, ha it didn't have to be academic related, but he, he was bringing more of a, like, let's, let me be an advisor for you as you think about like what might be your next academic steps moving forward. And CEHO has a ton of entry-level people who attend it. Cause you got to think about how many hall directors there are in the Southeast. And there's a lot of entry-level attendance. And I think that that is a really awesome thing to have, um, especially considering how many entry-level staff are usually at CEHO mm -hmm. um, and mid-level too, that might be thinking about advanced degrees. And I had already been thinking about that a little bit. I had, I had researched, you know, different EDD programs, higher ed leadership programs, you know, and they're, they're they all have different titles. Um, and different focuses, PhD programs. And I and I sat down and talked to Tony. I went to his program. I sat down with him after it. And I, I just said, Tony, I just feel really lost. Like none of these, none of these sound like a good fit for me. Like I'm not, I don't feel naturally pulled to anything like I did when I decided to go to grad school. And when I decided to get a master's in higher ed, I don't feel attracted to any of these options. Like I, like I thought I would. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, really see like a path forward for me and his immediate response was have you ever considered law school and I I just kind of like sat there and I was like I think my my first reaction was no Tony like I haven't thought about law school I I'm working in housing uh, I already have a master's you know I that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about higher ed doctorate programs. And he's like, no, for real. Have you ever thought about law school? I just always thought, you know, you had really strong research and writing skills. And, you know, that it, it just seems like I just always thought you might be good at law school. And I had never really considered it. There had been a couple of points in time throughout my life where a, a person or two had said like, oh, you should think about law school. And I had all, I had never considered it. I had just always been like, no, nah, that's not for me. Um, and, but after, but some, for some reason, the way Tony said it, and I guess because I trust Tony so much, it made me really think about it. So literally the rest of the day at the conference, I was on my phone researching things about law school and I was going down all kinds of rabbit holes and looking all kinds of stuff up. And I called my husband that night at the, when I got back to the hotel and I said, you know, I think I'm going to go to law school and, you know, we did further research and stuff from there, but that was really what catapulted me. And it just felt like a good fit. A lot of it being the research and writing schools skills, thinking back to 
how much I enjoyed persuasive writing going back all the way to high school. Um, in high school, my favorite thing that one of my teachers ever did, her name was Miss McKnight. And I think it was when we were in 12th grade, it might've been 11th grade. We had like a mock trial mm-hmm. for, um, for Jekyll and Hyde. Mm-hmm. And we actually like had like opening arguments and we questioned witnesses and we had closing arguments and there was a jury and we had this mock trial for whether or not, you know, Jekyll should be, Dr. Jekyll should be responsible for the actions of, of Hyde. And, um, and I loved that. I absolutely loved it. And I also grew up doing uh, competitive horse judging through 4-H mm-hmm. and at the end of each competition, after we would watch classes of horses and we would place them, we would give reasons, oral reasons. And it was argumentative. It was, this is the way I place the class and that's the right way to place it. And here's why here you should place the class the same way talking to an official judge. And it was an oral presentation in an argumentative, persuasive tone. Mm -hmm. And that was the stuff I really loved growing up, but I had never put two and two together until it took Tony mentioning his CEO. Um, And so that's kind of what started it. And it just, you know, went, went from there. Well, it's really interesting you bring that up. I was in a mid-level professionals institute and I know you've gone a little bit away from higher ed law, but the, it was a vice president. And she said, if she had it to do over, she would have found either a JD or an MBA much more useful as a VP than a higher ed research degree. And so I, I think there could be people listening who are like, well, I'm drawn to law school, but I don't want to leave higher ed. And there's space for that. Um, Absolutely. Our dean of students, or our associate, not the dean of students, I think he was like an associate dean of students at VCU when I was there, had a JD. Yeah. And if you think about the types of things that dean of students and VPs are handling, if you think about Title Seven stuff, Title Nine stuff that they have to be involved in, compliance, um, there and then think about legal counsel at all of these universities as well. There's a lot of space for JD degrees in higher ed, and that was one of the things that made me feel comfortable going to law school was knowing that even if I didn't, you know, if I went through law school and I still felt very drawn to working in a higher ed space, there would be a lot of room for me, and um, there would be a lot of value in my JD back in a higher ed. Uh, environment. And that's still a possibility down the line. I know that, mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if I ever decide to do that, that there, there is value in having a JD and being in a higher ed role. Right. Well, so there's, there's that there's taking the JD and bringing it back to higher ed. What are some things you experienced as potentially assets or challenges going from student affairs to law school? Yeah. So, um, I think most of them were assets. Mm -hmm. Um, one thing that was immediately apparent when I went to law school and I think is still true now is just the time management skills, Mm -hmm. especially coming from a field like housing. And it's true. Any, any field in student affairs, housing was just the only one that I worked in professionally before leaving the field. But, um, just knowing how to manage myself, and knowing how to manage my own time has been so key in law school and as an attorney, um, just because I can look at, you know, a million things that that 
need to be done that maybe don't seem to all fit together, like moving at a, like looking at a checklist for moving and all the different things you have to do while training RAs and getting halls ready and stuff. And I can, you know, make a plan and execute it. Mm-hmm. And also the crisis management skills, um, handling stressful situations, being able to think critically, think calmly, um, recording information and taking down pertinent details in during in the middle of a stressful situation. Um, all of that has been really helpful. Just the interpersonal and communication skills, being a good listener, um, knowing how to make sure that you understand what someone's saying, those reflective listening skills, especially in like a counseling based type program where you take a counseling skills class mediation. That's, you know, like I did a lot of roommate mediations and now I'm sure I'll be involved in mediations and arbitrations going forward where sometimes it's, you know, even a mediation, it's a, it's technically adversarial, but you're trying to come to a compromise. You're trying to reach a settlement. That's a roommate conflict. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so there's a lot of things that are super transferable and, uh, you know, just the even just interpersonal relational skills, it, it all transfers really well and has helped me a lot. What about the um, academic experience? So what are some similarities or differences between your MED and your JD? Yeah. So um, in terms of differences, I'll start with that. So this, this, uh, you know, I went to University of Virginia, which is a top 10 law school. Um, they're not necessarily as good at emphasizing practical skills because the classes are structured really differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you've heard of the Socratic method. <laughs> um, you're like, you get cold called to ask about a case. It's, it's all about, it's a lot of reading. Like we did a lot of reading for Clemson. Um, law school is a lot of mm-hmm. reading, like nonstop. Just, you just have to read a lot of cases to be prepared for class. And it's a lot of writing. Um, the exams are very writing heavy. It's like a three hour, you have several different fact patterns. You have to write um, how you have to apply the law. You're learning the law and then you're applying a lot of to facts. Um, but law school is just not as good as emphasizing those practical skills. There were clinics and um, different um, like trial advocacy. There are opportunities to 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 do practical skills. Um and we had like a requirement to do a certain number of credit hours, but in student affairs, the practical skills are just so interwoven throughout everything you do. Um, you know, your grad assistantship and your practicums and your internships, and you talk about those in your classes and you practice. Like I remember being counseling skills and practicing counseling, practicing, you know, like reflective skills. And I just think student affairs does such a good job of, of making your practical skills and your academic experience um, be very, you know, streamlined and together as you move through the program. And I don't, I don't think at least the law school I went to was quite as good at that. Um, But in terms of similar, the critical thinking was huge in, in both student affairs and in law school, like looking at a situation, right? Like, and looking at a case, looking at a, uh, a, a case study. And a lot of times we use in the student affairs world um, and looking at it critically, identifying issues and applying knowledge and skills, you know, to, to kind of come to a solution 
it's it's very similar, very similar. Law school is all about issue spotting. And that's really what a case study type experience in student affairs and how you approach like this student comes in and talks about X, Y, Z, but maybe the problem is really, you know, problem B, they're not seeing it, but you have to be able to spot that issue and use what you know to help the student through the problem. Very similar. Did you notice the lack of practical application as you were going through, or is that something that in reflection, it was more like, you know, they didn't really prepare me for this part of it. What, um, how did that show up? No. So I think, I think it's just really well known. Like oh. people will tell you law schools teach you how to think like a lawyer. They don't teach you how to be a lawyer. Okay. And you have to learn that through your summer experiences and kind of on the job training. Whereas I don't think anyone would look at, I mean, the, the program I know the most about is Clemson's. I don't think anyone would look at Clemson's program and think they don't teach you how to be a student affairs practitioner. Mm -hmm. They absolutely do. They teach you how to think like one and how to be one. Mm -hmm. um, it's required that you have these practical experiences and they come up in class all the time. You're And you're learning from everyone else's practical experiences. So it's not just yours. Those classroom discussions and learning about, you know, like, what what people are facing in orientation versus student activities versus healthy campus. Um, whereas in law school, you're not learning from others practical experiences like that. And they're not, like I said, they're not teaching you how to, to be a lawyer. They're teaching you how to think like a lawyer. Now there are some changes apparently coming to the bar exam in a few years that that there's an article that just came out about that, that the bar exam is going to start emphasizing more practical skills. So I'm hoping that law schools will also um, start doing that as well. Mm -hmm. Well, let's, let's shift to the writing part of it. Yeah. Um, I know that you were managing editor of the Virginia Law Review. Were there things from student affairs that inspired you in your work as an author or editor with that publication? I'm sorry about my dogs. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> they apparently see something that they would like to bark at. Um, so yes, um, I'm sorry, Michelle. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Virginia Law Review is a student-led publication. Um, and the way that research works in law school is really interesting, uh, research and writing. So, uh, everyone knows about peer review journals and, Journals are typically <clears throat> managed by academics in the field, right? Like your your professors in the field are are overseeing these journals and reviewing things, submissions, and that kind of thing. In law school, it's all run by students. Mm -hmm. So when a law school professor who's you know fully tenured and been a professor for you know 10, 15 years, however long, um, when they want to publish something, they send their their article to a student-led journal and a group of students review the article and decide whether or not to publish it. Wow. So your research and like a uh, professor's research is in the hands of students. Mm -hmm. The students are the editors. The students are the publishers of research in the law. And it's always been set up that way. And it's very different, right? That's not how it is in a medical field. That's not how it is in, you know, in higher education, psychology, anything like that. As far as I know, I think it's very, very unique. 
but it was really cool. Right. So it was like, we were the ones shaping the future of legal academia. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to, um, to first of all, get onto the law review, which is a, you know, there's a tryout process, um, a competitive tryout process to do that. And then in my, in my second year, I was selected as the managing editor. Um, and the managing editor is all about leading the resources at, at, at Virginia law review, um, because each one is structured a little differently, but at, at Virginia, the managing editor handled the people handled the, the, the process of publication. So I was overseeing our, you know, our department editors and our, uh, our team of editors who were working on and staffing these pieces um, to make sure that publication uh, progressed according to how it needed to progress to hit our publication deadlines. Um, and, you know, just handling, handling things that came up that, you know, in terms of if we had issues with quality of work from any of our editors that came to me, if there was any interpersonal conflict across our leadership team that came to me, I was handling the finances of the publication. Um, I was working with our administrative um, staff person, Valerie, who was amazing. And again, she was the one who was really running it. Like she'd been there for so long. The leadership turned over every single year as people went out throughout law school, but Valerie was always there and she knew everything. Um, and so that was just really incredible. And it's definitely when it was the being manager, editor, managing editor was the hardest thing I did in law school, but it's definitely the most rewarding. And I would do it again in a heartbeat. And I also got to work with an incredible team of people. We had to figure out how to handle COVID um, at the law review level, which was really um, hard. But we, you know, we came together and handled it well, I think. And my best friends from law school are definitely the ones that I worked with on law review. And then I was also fortunate enough to have my note selected for publication and, you know, being an author and contributing to that, the, you know, the future of legal academia was also a really rewarding experience. And it's something I'm really glad that I, um, glad that I did. And like I said, it's, it's hard to be selected to, for publication and, you know, just really thankful and, and I have a lot of gratitude for that experience as an author as well. That's great. What are um, some things about law school that surprised you, either in relation to student affairs or it could be just some random, I didn't know that was going to happen. What what are some of those things? Um, You know, I think in terms of relation to student affairs, I don't know that it really surprised me, but it's something that, you know, I definitely found myself reflecting on is how important networking is, Mm. Um, you know. every field is small in its own way. And uh, it was so important to build relationships in student affairs. And, you know, even today, my student affairs relationships, I'm very thankful for. Um, And in law school networking, like we started talking about networking during our first year during 1L with career services, we started talking about, you know, how to how to navigate networking and how to maintain relationships, maintain connections from whether it be from, you know, Virginia alumni or people, anything you had in common with someone, how to, how to network and establish those relationships and keep those relationships throughout your career. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's, 
important in both fields and um, continues to be important to this day. And I'm really thankful to have both my student affairs relationships and my legal relationships. That's great. Um, what about connections or transferability between um, your work as a hall director and going to law school? What are some, or, or your current work now outside of uh, just the academic piece of it? Are there connections there or um, some transferable skills you might highlight? Yeah. So I think, I think this isn't necessarily specific to hall director, obviously like um, there's some things like the roommate mediations and um, crisis management, but I mean, everyone in student affairs does something similar to that. Right. Um, but one thing that I was thinking about was um, we talk a lot about the law about it's all, especially when you're first starting out, but as, as you progress, it's all about handling your client relationships mm -hmm. and you have internal clients and external clients. So your internal clients, like at the firm are the partners for me as an associate who are giving me work and, you know, how do I handle that relationship? How do I nurture that relationship? How do I, you know, you know, please that internal client in terms of a client service perspective. And then your external clients are like the actual external clients that you're doing the work for. And as an associate, I may not actually communicate with those much, but my work product is going to them, right? In some way, whether that just be guiding the partner's understanding of something so they can have a conversation with that client or whether it be like writing a motion or a brief um, that's going to be filed on behalf of that client. And I think it's the same way, like if you think about a hall director, right, you have your internal clients as a hall director, or, you know, definitely your supervisors. Um, I think your internal clients are your RAs and your residents as well. Um, your RAs are kind of more like your staff, maybe not like that, your support staff, but you also like have a service to them in terms of supporting them through their role, developing them, um, training them. Uh, and helping you, you serve a service to your RAs, I think, as, as much as you do anyone else as a hall director. And that's a key part. You can't, you can't be a good hall director without those RAs. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course your residents are your internal clients, but then you have your external clients. And the first thing that popped in my mind was the parents. Right. And I used to say that, you know, handling those parents was sometimes the hardest part of being a hall director was it was handling a situation with an angry parent or a parent who you know was super upset about their child but because of HIPAA I couldn't tell them anything mm -hmm. um you know just someone calling out a concern and you know learning how to navigate those conversations with parents who are very rightfully you know concerned about something but you had a, a duty to that internal client as well, that resident um, that prevented you from sharing everything the parent wanted to know or, you know, just that very delicate handling of client relationships. And um, I think I think that's pretty similar across both fields. It's very, you know, it's different terms and it's uh, it's, you know, a different way of handling it, a different topic you're talking about, but it's the same type of skill. And then I mentioned this earlier, but I think also like relying on supporting your team. Um, you know, I'm, you're, you're never doing anything alone, you know, as a, someone in student affairs, you're always on some committee, you're always on 
some team uh, that either are across division, cross uh, cross practice areas. Sometimes we call it in, in the legal field. It might be someone from litigation and tax and corporate working on a project, or maybe it's like a junior associate, senior associate, and a partner and your team working together. And then also just like the minute, the importance of that administrative support um, that we talked about a little earlier. Uh, like I said, Kristen was my admin at, um, at VCU who I just became extremely close to still close to her today. And just the knowing the value of like getting to know those administrative people and, um, looping them in, keeping them updated so they know what's going on and including them, helping them feel like a valuable contributor to the team, relying on their knowledge, relying on their skills um, and making then that all of that just makes everything better for the entire team in terms of accomplishing the goals that you have. Great. Um, so if, if someone were to come to you and say, Hey, I have a student affairs background, but I'm thinking about law school. What insights would you share? What advice would you give? Yeah, so I think it's something they should definitely explore. Um, you know, I think it's a more natural transition and extension of a student affairs experience than people might realize. But I would say talk to people who are in law school or are lawyers. Um, get to know what, you know, what was important to them, what, what they struggled with, what, what they enjoy, like really it, quiz them, quiz them about their experience, quiz them about what they've taken away from it. Um, I talked to someone in VCU's legal counsel office before I applied for law school. When I was, I literally just cold emailed one of them and was like, Hey, I realized you went to the University of Virginia. I'm I'm interested in going to the University of Virginia. I think I want to go to law school. Would you mind sitting down and talking to me? And we had coffee and we talked about it. So like at if you're working at a higher education institution, you have you have access to legal counsel and I'm sure, you know, any of them would be happy to talk to you about their law school experience and that's a that's a resource for you. That's an um that's someone who can help you figure out that decision. Uh, law schools, if you're interested in law schools and that especially like think about what's just what's close by to you and you're just trying to figure out what you might want to do, even uh, reach out to their admissions staff. Law schools will let you come sit in on classes. At least they did before COVID. Hopefully they're back to that. But I also I thought this was something that was really fantastic. So like I went to UVA, did a tour and I sat in on a first year class sat in the back, just listened, took it all in, kind of saw how it went. Um, and that's pretty standard at a lot of schools. And I don't know if student affairs technically does that, but I think they should um, for interested students because I thought it was wonderful. I loved sitting in on the classroom. I, I, I My eyes were wide open when I came out. I was like, yes, this is awesome. I love this. Um, and I think it just gives you a good sense of like the classroom experience. And so even if you're not necessarily interested in attending that specific law school that's close by to you, um, you know, just reach out and say you're, you're trying to figure out if you want to go to law school. And I'm sure they will, you know, connect you with a class that you can sit in on and that kind of thing. So I'd recommend it if folks are interested, you know, like I said, just talk to people who our attorneys who have gone to law school to try to try to sit in on a class. I, there are, there are usually recorded lectures you can find online too, but I think there's 
not really anything better than being there in person and feeling it out. Yeah, just being in the space, you probably get a sense of energy or, you know, what fuels you or not. And Absolutely. That's great. Well, I know, so we were talking a little bit beforehand, you're about six weeks into your current position. How's it going? It's going really well. I'm really enjoying it. I've got a wide variety of cases that I'm working on. Um, everyone in my firm is really nice, um, you know, and it's been fun living in Atlanta. Um, I've been close to Atlanta all my life and for different reasons, but never have actually physically lived here. And I've really enjoyed it. So it's been nice. Well, good. Well, the last question from sort of our list is maybe the most important one. Is there anything I've forgotten or other things that you want to share that we haven't talked about yet? Um, I don't know that there's anything you've forgotten. I just think I want to, I just have a lot of gratitude for people who have been instrumental in my journey you know, I talked about several of them. I, you are definitely one of them as well. Um, and I really appreciate your role, Tony, um, people who supported me along the way. I, when I told people at VCU that I wanted to go to law school, I got nothing but support from the housing team there. And I think it just goes to show that the people you work with want the best for you. Mm-hmm. And um, I just really appreciate those people who have been supportive, you know, before law school, during law school. Um, and I am, you know, it's one of those things that I didn't take the most traditional path to law school, but I think I went to law school at the right time for me. And I'm really thankful I had the experiences that I did have in student affairs before I went to law school. Cause I think it all has fit into like my overall journey really well. That's great. Well, I do have one more question for you. Um, what's bringing you hope right now? Yeah. So other than Taylor Swift's uh, Midnight's album that just dropped and Clemson being six now, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I I really have a lot of hope in Justice Kentonji Jackson's elevation to the court, her being the first black woman mm-hmm. um, to sit on the Supreme Court, her background, you know, being a public defender, going to public schools. We need her perspective on the court. We need more of her of perspective like that on the court. Mm-hmm. And I'm just really, you know, really happy with how it's going. I don't know if you've listened to any audio of hers from her first few arguments, but, uh, you know, even just being the most junior justice, she was asking very critical, very thoughtful questions. And you can just tell already that she's going to have a big impact and a big legacy. I love that. Um, and I think, you know, this, my students know it. I love the Supreme Court. You know, I, I it doesn't always have the exact people on it that I would like to see, and some of the decisions that come down I struggle with. But um, it it's just so important, and I I agree completely. The sort of route to the court has been one thing for a really long time, and it's nice to see that disrupted a little bit and representing broader perspectives. So. A lot to pay attention to there right now. but Absolutely. Well, Erin, this has been great. I am so appreciative of you and the fact that you were willing to take some time and talk today. Um, I wish you nothing but the best. Stay in touch. Let me know when you're going to be going up for Supreme Court because I'll... Uh, I have no influence in that sphere, but I'll pay attention. So um, 
but all the best and you know just congratulations on everything that you've achieved but thank you for talking to us today thank you i really appreciate it i enjoyed it i did too um today's essay today podcast is brought to you by saxa and we thank them for their support and as we wrap up i'd like to leave you with a quote today from ruth bader ginsburg one of my all-time favorites Fight for the things that you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. My name is Michelle Botcher, and it has been a pleasure to host this episode. Have a beautiful day.